Well, good morning. Welcome to Restoration Church. We're so excited that you're here today. Uh, Pastor Nate is still on his well-deserved vacation. Uh, he one time said to me when I was talking to him about uh, his work, work ethics, I've never man, met a man who works harder in my life. He said, you know, Andrew, sometimes I enjoy getting sick because it finally gives me an excuse to stop working. And so I think to myself, man, I just hope wherever you're at right now, Pastor Nate, as you're watching this, which I know you are, that you're pretending like you're sick right now because you deserve to take a break. But um, I just, I, I love, I love the sermon series that we're in. This, this idea is called, uh, We Are the Church. And it's about how uh, we all have a responsibility to be a part of something bigger than ourselves and a part of a, a bigger entity, and that entity is the church. And so the title of my sermon today is We Can't Do This Alone. And because of this, I want to make a request of those of you in here, and this is going to push you maybe to the edge of your comfort zone because you've never been like this or we're not like this in New England, but I believe that if we're at the edge of our comfort, that's right where God wants to operate. So I'm going to make a request because uh, a couple weeks ago, I was uh, preaching at camp, and I probably preached the best sermon I've ever preached in my life. And the reason that I preached the best sermon I've ever preached in my life was because I had a crowd who entered into a dialogue with me. And so this is what I mean, is when I'm up here speaking, it's not just a monologue, it's a dialogue that we're having. And your reaction to the things that I say allow us to begin to understand deeper who God is and what he has stored up for us. And so when I get to say something and you react in some way or you give me feedback or, or you come back at me with, with how you react to it, it allows us to come to a deeper understanding of who God is. And so we're going to practice something right now that's maybe weird for you, maybe different for you, but hey, I'm not the lead pastor, so I'm not going to preach again for a while. So we can try it today. Um, so... On the count of three, if you, you know, we're all going to practice just giving like a nice deep belly grunt, like you really just ate a fine meal. We're going to practice just, mmm, because right now I'm not feeding you with food, but I'm feeding you with the word of God. And so if we enter into that together and you're excited about it and enthusiastic, man, I'm going to be excited and I'm going to be enthusiastic about it too. And we're going to come to understand God in a way we never have before. So on the count of three, we're all going to pretend like we just had this amazing meal. So one, two, three, mm, there we go. And so feel free, I'm giving you permission right now to do this whenever you want. Anytime you hear something you like, anytime you hear something that you appreciate, feel free to go mm, and agree with me. And if you're more bold, hey, I'm all for that. So maybe you're going to go yes and, you know, you give it a little little arm flap at me to let me know, like, I heard you, I heard you, you know, a little floppy chicken back there, and I'll, I'll see you, and I'll appreciate you. Or maybe if you're really bold, you'll even say an amen or two while I'm preaching, or maybe you'll even say a preach. And so I want to invite you into that. And so today, you're going to be an enthusiastic audience, and we're going to understand God in a way we never had because we didn't have a monologue, we had a dialogue. And so, oh, there we go, there we go, we got some flappy chicken. So we're going to do that today. Other things, hey, I, I want Plymouth to know, hey, Plymouth is watching it, and they're not excused from this either, so they're going to be grunting and, and celebrating and yelling at the screen, because, hey, man, I've seen some of you yell at sports screen louder than you've ever yelled in church before, so I know that you guys can do it, I know you're capable of it, but today we're going to be talking 
about how we cannot do this alone. We can't be by ourselves. And so this started, I want to start off with a story from my life. Um, so I think about the time I was getting married. Uh, my wife and I, my wife had just moved to Vermont. We were, we were planning on, uh, we were moving there. I can't remember if we were married yet or not. Um, but she was living with my parents. I was living in another house. And so, you know, we'd go out on dates. And one thing that my wife had, like, never done was go to the drive-in movies. So she'd never been to a drive-in theater before in her entire life. And uh, we actually had one in, in our new hometown in Vermont. And so my wife was really enthusiastic about going to this drive-in. And so for me, I love movies. Like, I, I, I love watching movies. I love watching people talk about movies. I like, I'll spend, you can ask my wife, I'll spend more time watching like commentaries on a movie than the movie is actual runtime because I just enjoy it. I just have fun spending time learning about movies. And so one of my favorite things to do is to go to a movie theater. And there's a way that you can go to a movie theater right and there's a way you can go wrong. The wrong way is when it's you, your wife, and one awkward dude in the very back of the theater. That's the wrong way to be in a movie theater because it's so weird. It's so uncomfortable when it's just you two in this giant screen. I love going to a movie theater that is absolutely packed full. I just love it because there's like an energy there. There's, there's excitement. There's, there's, you're, you're participating in this movie. So comedies are funnier. Uh, thrillers are more intense. Suspense films are more suspenseful. Dramas are more dramatic. Everything is heightened because there's this huge crowd watching this movie with you. And so because I love that, I absolutely hate going to the drive-in. I think it's the worst thing on earth. Like, let's go to where bugs can bite us where we have to uncomfortably sit in the back of our car and eat snacks we brought ourselves. Like, that just sounds like the worst experience in the world to me. And, like, I, and I, I also, I need glasses so I can, like, barely see the screen when I'm looking off, and it just looks like a, a giant blurry blob that's vaguely rectangle-shaped. So it's just, it's the worst experience to me as a drive-in theater. But, you know, I'm a graceful and I'm a loving husband, and, uh, you know, so I make sacrifices for my wife. And so I, I, I went to the, the drive-in, and my wife loves the drive-in. She absolutely loves it. Like, it's her favorite thing. And, and, and I don't know why. And it took me a while as I thought about this, as I processed it, as I began to think about it. It's like, why do I not like the drive-in so much? It's not that much different than a movie theater. But then I began to realize the reason I don't enjoy it is because it's something you do alone. You can't participate in the movie with the crowd around you. You, you could drive into the drive-in theater, you could sit down, you could watch the entire movie and not have interacted with a single individual the entire time you were there. It could just become something that you don't ever interact with another person. And, and that began to make me realize that's the reason I dislike the drive-in so much is I'm not participating in community with others. The drive-in, I think, is a symbol of how individualistic we can be as a culture. And there's something interesting happening in the U.S. is drive-ins are actually dying. They're actually a, a type of, of movie-going experience is actually on its way out. Thousands of them have closed down in the past 10 years. And the reason why is not because movie theaters have gotten better, but it's because you can watch more movies at home. You can be even more individualistic in your movie watching. 
Things like Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, Hulu, they've started to kill off drive-ins because no longer do you have to participate at all with other people. And when I hear things like that, it starts to scare me because I think this has crept into the way we participate in church. I think this individualistic nature has begun to creep in to the way we go to church. A lot of us treat church more like a drive-in movie theater where we don't have to talk to anyone. We come, we get our entertainment, and we leave. We don't participate in something bigger. And so as I began to think about this and look into this, I began to think about, man, I wonder in our culture with this individualistic nature how much loneliness is on the rise. And uh, here's something interesting that I found. The UK recently appointed their first minister of loneliness. That would be like if we in the US appointed a secretary of loneliness. Instead of having a secretary of defense, we had a secretary of loneliness. And the reality was they began to realize that this was such an epidemic facing the health of their communities that they needed someone whose job was to deal with this problem. Uh, people who report feeling, feeling lonely have higher rates of heart disease, cancer, depression, diabetes, and suicide. Vivek Murphy, the former Surgeon General, wrote on loneliness and social isolation that it is associated with a reduction in lifespan similar to that caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And even, even greater than that, incredibly high rates of obesity. We've turned into a society that overvalues individualism. We've turned into a society that says, you have to do everything by yourself. More people work alone today, more people age alone, and more people die alone than in the history of the world. 56% of Americans reported feeling like they had not one single meaningful connection in their entire life. 56%. What that says to me is, uh, I think something like 78% of Americans identify as Christian. So how many of us sitting here today empathize with that feeling of loneliness? Loneliness has crept into every area of our life. It's crept into our church. It's crept into our homes. And maybe it's even crept into your marriages. See, we've emphasized your personal relationship with God, your personal walk with God so greatly that many people who identify as Christians no longer even believe that community or walking together in life-on-life life accountability are even important anymore. How messed up is our church that we think that we can have a relationship with God and forget the relationship with those around us? It says in Genesis that it was not good for man to be alone, so God created a partner to walk through life with him. 
It's so easy to become isolated, to be lost, to feel, feel that sensation of loneliness. Everything is about me. I mean, you think about it, iPhone, iPad, iMac, I hurt. I'm alone, I'm lost, I'm confused. And it's so easy. And I think John Wesley, who's a very famous theologian, said it best when he says, Christianity is not a religion for solitude and solidarity. The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. We've somehow arrived at a point where relationships are secondary to our experience of entertainment. And so today, we're going to go through a Bible verse, and it's in Hebrews, but it's titled kind of the passage that, that follows it is a call to persevere. And so today, I think there couldn't be a better explanation of this idea because, man, some of us have to persevere through the loneliness that is constantly encroaching in our life. We as, we as people who attend church or, or even who live in the U.S., we have to persevere through the desire to isolate ourselves, through the desire to, to take a step back, to push people away, to, to only focus on ourselves. And, and so the call to persevere that we're going to read is going to give us some hints to help us get through this. And before we go into this, I want to pause because I think there are some of you in here who if you looked at me, you would say, you know what, I'm lonely but I deserve to be lonely. I'm lonely, and I deserve to feel this way. I deserve to not feel like anyone cares about me. I've, I've messed up so much in my life, or I've made so many mistakes, or I've screwed up in some way that I don't deserve to know what it's like not to feel this anymore. But that's not what's going to happen today, because today... It's time for us to stop believing our feelings and start believing our Father. We're going to enter into understanding what it means to pursue God, to, to exit loneliness, to, to find connection, to take a next step, to, to figure out, man, how do I get out of this cycle that's running my life? And so it says in Hebrews, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain to the, into the most holy place. And since we have had a great priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of the ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So there's really two things I want to emphasize in, in this passage and with what's going on here. And the first, I think, is so important and so critical that we understand is when it says, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain to the most holy place. 
And so I think some of us might not quite understand what that means, but I remember when I was, uh, you know, a little younger, a little dumber, and I was in Bible college, and I was learning some amazing things. Uh, this was one of the things that, that really shook up the way I started to think about what God had done for me. So let me, let me explain how this worked in, in ancient Israel. So in Israel... Way back when, they had a temple where they would worship God and they would celebrate him. And the temple, you had to, like, you had to be a certain class to enter farther and farther in. So like the outside of the temple was for uh, people who were called like God-fearers. So like, they weren't really Jewish people, but they really liked God, so they would hang out there. And, and then a little farther in, they'd have the court of women. And a little farther in, they'd have the court of men. And then in the very center... In the very middle, there was what was called the Holy of Holies. And it was the most holy place. It was where God was residing. And the way it worked was there was only one person allowed to ever enter that place. Only one person could ever go in. And it was only once a year that he could ever enter in. And that was the high priest. And so he had to be born to a certain a certain sect of Judaism. He had to be born a Levite. He had to go through years of training. He had to be elected to be the high priest. He had to work his way up through all these things in order to enter into close relationship with God. But God wasn't content to leave the world that way. He wasn't content to only allow one person to ever enter into that place of holiness. He wasn't content to allow that to stay the status quo. And so when Jesus died on the cross, when, when he sacrificed himself, when he laid there, what happened, what it says happened was the curtain that kept the most holy of holies away from everyone else ripped from top to bottom. It began to shred and tear aside. And in that moment, God offered you entrance into the most holy of holies. He said, you don't have to feel that farness of relationship with me anymore. You don't have to feel so far away. You don't have to feel like you can't be a part of this anymore. There's a way, there's an access, there's, there's, there's an opportunity to step into closer relationship with me. And so in that moment, we entered into something new. We entered into something greater. And that's why that part of the passage is so important. Because the reality was, you had to be the cleanest of the clean to enter into the Holy of Holies. But it says right here that our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have never been, wa have been washed with pure water. And that's so amazing. So, so if I think about this in my own life, like I'm, a type, I'm the type of person where every single morning I have to take a shower. Like I cannot go a morning without taking a shower. If I don't take a shower, I feel miserable the whole day because I feel just so gross. I feel like an assault to the senses of everyone around me. I feel like you should probably avert your eyes because it's going to be like Medusa and you might turn to stone. Something's going to happen from just how horrible and hideous I feel. And so I have to 
enter into this routine of washing myself every day because without it, I just don't feel clean. I don't feel like I deserve to be in the presence of other people. I don't deserve to be in the presence of anyone. Like, it's like one of those things where I have those days where, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to have a productive day. And then my day turns into, oh, it's 11 o'clock and I'm still not out of bed. And I just feel miserable. Like I'm just laying in my own, my own sweat, my own filth. And I'm just laying there. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel so gross. I feel so disgusting. Why do I work for a man who always works hard and has to pretend to be sick to just take a break? And, and, and I'm sitting there and this is how I feel. But here's the reality. That's how we can feel all the time when it comes to our loneliness. Like we don't deserve relationship. You, don't de- you can feel like I don't deserve a good marriage. I don't deserve a good relationship with my kids. I don't deserve good friends. I don't deserve a good church. I don't deserve these things. But here's the reality. You don't have to feel that anymore. You don't have to walk in that life anymore. God has made you clean. He showered you off. You woke up and he took everything away. And you don't have to keep ritualistically cleaning yourself like I do every morning. You're clean from now until the end of time. Man, it's like, you know, he, he took Purell and, and that's, that's all that you sweat now is Purell. You're, you're clean. It's okay. It's okay to enter into relationship with God. It's okay to enter into relationship with others. It's okay to take that next step. You don't have to feel that way anymore. 56% of you statistically are sitting here saying you feel lonely, saying you feel isolated, saying you feel left out. You don't have to feel that anymore. I'm inviting you today into something greater, into something bigger. You're clean, you're pure. And then the second part, I think, that, that I just love that, that really gets to the heart of what we're going to talk about today is this idea of let us think of ways to motivate one another with acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together as some do. Listen, I get it. It can be so easy to get over busy. It can feel like your life never stops. It can feel like you have a million things to do, and there's no place to fit church into that mix. All right, I'm going to be vulnerable with you guys for a minute here and and be honest about some of the mistakes I've made in the past. And so I'm going to be trusting with you that you don't pick on me or tell me you don't want me to be your pastor when I tell you this. But when I was in Bible college, I spent two years not going to church. I was a past, I was training to be a pastor. And I spent two years of my Bible college experience not going to church. Like what kind, like I look back on myself, I'm like, how stupid am I? How dumb do you have to be to sit there and be like, man, yeah, I'm gonna be a pastor one day. I'm gonna tell people that they should be in church. And meanwhile, I'm not even attending church. I'm not even going. And it's like, I'm sitting there and I'm reading the Bible every day. I'm in classes teaching me how to read it in Greek. I'm teach, learning theology and I can't get the most basic thing right in my life. Just go to church. Spend time in church. You can't do this alone. You need to be in community. Don't neglect meeting together like others do. 
And there I was, a Bible college student, getting ready to be a pastor, and too lazy to get out of bed on a Sunday morning. So I'm sitting here, and I'm empathizing with you. I, I get it. I get how hard it can be to make time. Man, I thought I was the busiest person in the world. I was, I was just lazy. Like, I thought I was so busy. Man, college kids have so much free time. Don't let them lie to you. I, I know what it was like. I didn't, I had so much time to spend at church, but I just didn't. And then when I finally did start attending church, man, I put in like my bare minimum effort. I would show up and, you know, I'd help out sometimes, but most of the time I'd just sit there. And the, and the, the, the church I went to was in a movie theater, and, and so I'd sit there and, and I'd watch these services, and, and all it was to me was, was entertainment. It wasn't life-transforming. It wasn't life-changing. It wasn't life-giving because I didn't allow it to be. I treated it like a drive-in movie theater. I just sat there. And, man, I missed out on so much of what God could have done in my life. I missed out on so many things he could have changed in who I was. I remember coming back my freshman year of college and, and just bawling my eyes out to my mom, being like, Mom, I can't go back there. It's so miserable. I'm so, uh, I'm so lonely. I hate it. I want to come home. I wanna... And it's like, meanwhile, I, I, I was isolating myself. I was, I was pulling into myself. I wasn't spending time going to get plugged into a community, to par participating in a church, to, to, taking a next, to taking a step to, to be a part of something bigger than myself, to be a part of the church. And, and I was miserable. I was so lost. I was so confused. Because my personal relationship with God became a bigger priority than my relationship with fellow believers around me. It became more important for me to spend time thinking about theology than serving those in need. It became more important to me to get an extra three hours of sleep than to go and change someone's life forever. I mean, how does a Bible college student miss it? How do I miss so hugely, so astronomically what it is God has for me? And so here's what I think can go on with us a lot of times is, man, the Bible says, and and whether you believe it or not, uh, the Bible says that, you know, there's an enemy who is seeking us, who is looking to destroy us. It actually uses the word that he is prowling like a lion, looking for someone to devour. Now, if you know anything about the way lions hunt, it, it's really interesting. It is, if you've ever, like, watched videos of, of animals hunting and, and lions hunting, uh, one, of, one of the big prey that lions subsist on is actually zebras. And, and zebras are really fascinating because they have all these stripes on them, right? And, and the stripes serve a very important purpose. When all the zebras stand together in a herd, all these stripes make them look like one giant mass to a lion. So the lion can't actually tell where one zebra ends and another begins because they all just kind of fade into each other with all these stripes just moving and shifting and changing. 
But there is one, there is a moment that a zebra will get attacked by a lion. And it's the moment the zebra wanders off alone. If you watch hunting videos, these lions, they wait, they'll sit there, they're patient. They'll wait 8, 12, 15, 24 hours just watching, waiting, and looking, and waiting for the moment when a zebra wanders a little too far away. And in that moment, eight lions will pounce out of nowhere and jump on this zebra because for just a minute, they wandered off. For just a minute, they're alone. And it's so easy for us to turn into that when it comes to our church life. Like, I did it for years when I was in college. I let myself wander off alone. I let myself be, by my, be just off, trying to do this thing by myself. And it ended up with me just ending, being miserable, being lost being confused. And I don't want that for you today. I want you to live a better life than me. One of the main jobs of a pastor that the Bible says is it's our job to equip you, equipping of the saints to do the work that God has set before us as a church. And I want you guys to walk a better life than I have. And it starts today with entering in to community. And so the band's going to come up uh, as we begin to wrap up. And, and, and I just want us to think about this. I don't want to leave you with all of these thoughts of just like, oh, man, I should get plugged in. I should, I should take a step. Man, I'm sick of feeling lonely. I, I want to figure out what my next step is. I want to figure out how not to be alone because some of us empathize too greatly with the zebra that I was talking about today. Some of us understand too much that feeling of, of wandering off. Maybe this is your first time back to church in years. Maybe this is your first time back in months. And you don't know how you got there. Like one Sunday turned into two, turned into three, turned into four, turned into 20. But today we have an opportunity to enter into the community that God has called us to be a part of. And I want that for you. Because here's the reality. Some of you have such great callings on your life. Some of you have such great things that you're meant to do with God. Some of you have such great things you're meant to do in this community that there is an enemy who's going to do everything to get you by yourself. There is a culture that is going to push you into isolation. There's an enemy who's going to pull you off alone. But right here and right now, sitting in this congregation, I'm inviting you into a community that will never leave you by yourself. A community that will protect you. A community that will take you in. A community that will create somewhere that you don't have to feel alone anymore. I remember the feelings of loneliness. 
I remember being lost. I remember missing it. And I don't want that for anyone sitting in here today. The reason I serve at this church, the reason I'm on the staff here is because I believe that this community has something amazing to offer, has something incredible that you can be a part of. And I want that for you. And so today, if you said, you know what, I have gotten off alone. I've been trying to do this thing by myself. My family feels like we ha- we're the only herd we have. Our family has to fight off the world because we're so alone. And I've got a couple options for you today to take a step. And I want to invite you into that. First things first, if you say, man, I don't even think I have a relationship with God. That's, that's how lonely I am. That, that I don't even know if he exists. I don't even know if he's there then today you have an opportunity to finally enter into the Holy of Holies, to that place that we talked about where God could have relationship with you that's no longer blocked off. So I want to invite you into that. It's really easy. We'll pray at the end, and and I'll invite you to participate in, in that so that you can begin to have a relationship with God so you can have a proper relationship with those around you. And then the second thing is, you know, uh, Pastor Chris talked about it a little bit last week or a lot. He talked about how, hey, you've got a role to serve him. Man, one of the things you, you'll find out is, man, you can't be lonely if you're serving with others. When you start to give of yourself, you receive more than you could have ever imagined. So I'm inviting you in to serve to be a part of this community. That's, you know, a, a huge majority of our congregation serves. And so if you want to get plugged in, if you want to participate, that's the best way to do it. Because, man, that's where you're going to find friends. That's where you're going to find people. You know, my closest friends here all serve with me. Me and uh, Jeremy, we always joke that we're such losers because we get out of our job doing church and then we go and eat dinner where we talk about church. But that's the reality is, is my closest friends sit here with me and serve with me. So maybe that's where you need to go. And then the other things we have is we, we want to be deliberate about the areas that we invite you into because we believe that you can find community here. And so there's two more things that I want you to consider participating in. One is our follow program. So our follow program is a one-on-one discipleship program that we have where we will match you up with someone who wants to mentor just you. It's an eight-hour thing, so you meet one hour a week over however many weeks it takes, and you get to form relationship. You get to form community. I got to go through it with... uh, one of the deacons on our board, uh, Mike Eunice, who's sitting in the front row right now, and, and it allowed me to create a bond that I still treasure to this day. So I want to invite you into that. And the final thing is our circles. So circles is an opportunity for you to come and spend time with people and say, you know what, I'm not going to let myself be lonely anymore. You'll get around a group of 8 to 15 people, and every week they'll be there. Every week they'll talk to you. 
Every week you can share your struggles. Every week you can grow closer with them. So I, I want you to walk out of here and say, man, I'm ready to take a next step. I'm ready to plug into a community. I'm ready not to do this alone. I've tried it on my own and it's not working. I'm going to hobble back to the herd with one leg left, but they're going to take care of me. And I'm not going to be alone anymore. If you'll bow your heads and pray with me, God, we want to pray for anyone who doesn't know who you are yet. God, that as they sit here and they think about that, they pray the simple prayer that, God, I invite you into my life. Make me clean. I felt so far from you. I felt like I don't even know who you are. But God, today, I want to begin to find out. I want to begin to connect. I want to begin to live that life out. And God, I pray for everyone else sitting here who feels lonely. 56% of people identify as not having a single meaningful relationship in their life. God, let today be the beginning of the end of that statistic for our church community. That no matter where we are, Dover, Plymouth, Londonderry, that the isolation began to end. And 0% of people feel like they have no meaningful connection in this world. That people will come to know who you are. That people will come to know who each other are and learn that it is truly blessed to give more than to receive. In your name we pray. Amen. The band's going to sing for just a minute. I encourage you, just think, God, how do I need to get plugged into community?